Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Real Estate Rundown. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Brad Shepard to the show. Brad comes to us from Austin, Texas, with over 20 years in the real estate space. Started out, probably like most of you guys, doing fix and flips, doing uh, single-family homes. But lately, this is the exciting part that I want to dig into a little bit more with Brad today. Lately, Brad's been in the capital raising space and has been bringing uh, deals together with other GPs. So Brad, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Real Estate Rundown. Hey, thank you very much, Shannon. I'm excited to be here with you today. So Brad, let's just take three minutes, four minutes, and let's dig into the life according to Brad and how you got to the space you're in today. All right, sounds good. Well, you know, here's my philosophy. It works for me. I don't know that I'd uh, sell it to others, but it <laughs> does all right for me. Um, but yeah, I, when I was in college, I was doing a finance degree, definitely had my eyes on commercial real estate. That's what I wanted to do. Did an internship with a large uh, private equity commercial portfolio builder acquisition company, uh, even a developer up there in the Northwest. Had a great time there. That was definitely where I wanted to head. And then just took a different turn. My, uh, I came back to, from that internship and had an opportunity to join a small online startup. And I ended up just kind of we were growing and doing well. So I stayed there for 10 years. Um, but in that company, we also had an opportunity to do some real estate stuff. So I was doing my own, building up my own rental portfolio on the side. But then with that company, we started doing vacation rentals and we even built some retail space. We had a couple of hotels that we, one we redeveloped and one we built. And so I always had my hands in the real estate space and then came to Texas 10 years ago building up a small little rental portfolio here, started doing some of the active uh, investment strategies here, you know, the wholesaling, the fix and flips, the, um, you know, that kind of stuff. And just realized, not a passion. <laughs> <I'd> <laughs> a lot of work. Like, it's a lot of work. It's, a lot of work. I don't enjoy picking out tile and paint colors and, and be, <laughs> you know, what, it's just not my fault. You know, some people like it, HGTV yeah. makes it look fun. Yeah. Not my thing. Um, and so then I started looking back at, well, my commercial roots, uh, how do I get back in that space? And so then, um, you know, the, my first thought was I would be sourcing deals, work with brokers and, and, and you know, build up uh, workers and partners to syndicate those. And then discovered I had an opportunity to actually just tie into my network and bring my network into uh, deals that other operators are already, already sourcing. Um, so I actually just invested passively my first time about four years ago. Loved it. I'm still getting checks from that investment today. It's gone well. Um, did it again a couple more times and then was able to talk to some operators and discover, hey, there's an opportunity to work together here. And so then for the last three years, I've been exclusively focused on uh, working with investors and, and essentially coming in as a, as a co-syndicator with other partners um, focused on the investor relations and capital raising side. And it's been fantastic. You know, it's funny. I, I use the term stay in your swim lane often. And it, it, it kind of refers to, you know, what you're good at, but what you're passionate about. And, you know, it's funny. We all kind of start somewhere and we all wind up somewhere else. But it's, it's really right. what drives us inside that takes us to that space, you know. And I can definitely see when you're talking about the fix and flips, you were not, not a fan of that. <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of one of those, it's almost like a rite of passage, right? You know, you've got you've to do that to appreciate what you really like about the other and what really makes that passionate. And then understanding that you've got a, you've got a network, you've got, a, you've got a, a, a group of people that know and trust you 
that you can reach out to, that you can, you can leverage. And being able to bring that to the forefront and make that your career, that's some awesome stuff, man. What is it about that that, that really kind of gives you the, the, the fire in, in what you're doing? When it comes to the commercial side, we're dealing with sophisticated operators, professional property management. I mean, some of these are public companies. They, they, they have their systems in place. And then sophisticated investors. These are, I work with folks who are really good at what they do. They're educated. I just get an opportunity to educate them about something new that they may not know very much about. And so it's a lot of, for me, it's really fun, a fun role in educating smart people. Just happen, I just happen to know something a little bit more about some other aspect that they're not familiar with yet. And then tie them into these professionally managed, professionally run systems that produce fantastic, predictable cash flow. For me, I like the professional aspect of it. It's, uh, you know, it's people that you can relate to. It's people that trust you. But, you know, the funny thing about it, Brad, is that as I've gotten into the, the multifamily journey, you know, for me from a builder and developer side, I've not been exposed to the community side of it that I'm, that I'm finding now. You know, I mean, I've, I, built, I built schools, I built hospitals, I, I, I built everything. But getting into the multifamily side, you, you've got the build side, but then you've got the community side. Like you said, you know, you've got people that you could go pitch a deal to. It's not like the drywaller gets together with the, the plumber and pitches a business idea. You know, it's, it, it's just not, not normal. But I see in the community of multifamily that everybody's working together. You know, you're, you're pitching this deal, guy comes to you, he's got a deal. I mean, you're, you're always collaborating and you're always seeing everybody else's deals. And it's, it's such an interesting thing. How much of that education though, have you just had to absorb on the fly? And, and what part, if any, did you get formally? It's, I think it's all on the fly, to be honest. My college degree was finance. So that helps, okay. you know, to okay. put together some spreadsheets and some projections. It's not like it was liberal arts or something, you know. Exactly. You know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, and, and I did finance with the idea that I'd go into commercial real estate. And so, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's helpful, not necessary by any means and not directly applicable because a, a finance degree, you know, that doesn't help you in, in networking. Maybe, you know, the college experience maybe, but that doesn't help you in your broker conversations, maybe to some degree and you're just, kicking around some numbers real quickly. The real education comes in working with folks who are already successful doing what they're doing that I want to emulate. I'm a fan of reading books. I'm a fan of continued education. I'll definitely pay for worthwhile courses. I have no problem with that. I think that's actually, I encourage it to a lot of folks, but that'll only get you so far. Jumping in with, a, with a operators who are already doing the exact thing that I want to be doing, for me, that's been incredibly valuable. And that's been the main source of the education. Brad, when you look back, was there any hesitation, any trepidation that these are, these are the big guys? These are, I mean, these guys know what they're doing and I'm just, I just got a, a 10 house portfolio that I've been fixing and flipping out. You know, was there any of that that you felt intimidated that, that you couldn't approach them? There's definitely some new lingo. When I first started thinking about approaching commercial brokers, going down the avenue of sourcing the deals myself, I felt intimidated. Am I smart enough? Do I know enough? Confident enough? So there's definitely some of that. But then once I started talking to other operators and realizing, I mean, they're just like me. They just happen to have a little, be a little further down the path and they're willing to share it. They're willing to teach. That intimidation quickly went away. For me, when you, when you look at it as there's a lot of actual protection in these more, in these larger deals where a fix and flip is solely on my shoulders 
um, a single family duplex, a threeplex, whatever, that's solely on my shoulders to make sure that goes well and to operate that. And even in a fourplex, right? You lose a tenant, there's 25% of your revenue. You get up right. to a 300 unit, you lose a tenant, it's just a normal month, right? right? It's, it's not a major impact. Yeah. So you get these if you only lose months. a tenant, you're having a great month. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so right. yeah, so you, you build out, you get to these scales um, where, where you've got 300 units and you can do, you just become a lot more sophisticated. You've got a group of investors, you've got professional management. And so the risk actually is quite a bit lower. And once I, once I understood that, all that intimidation was gone. It's kind of the same argument that you're hearing now about people saying, well, you know, now we're under underwriting for COVID where we need more reserves and we need more capital. And, right. you know, a lot of us that have been doing it a while are kind of going, well, you didn't have that around already, but you exactly, know, right. <laughs> right? But yeah. when you're looking back at it, you're in Austin, Texas, you didn't necessarily move there to be in one of the hottest multifamily markets in the nation, but you are. That worked out well. That definitely played in my favor. I mean, you know, I'd rather be lucky than good any day. And I'd like your kind of luck if I could get, if I could order it, you know, <laughs> but uh, what is it? Do you, are you just in the, in the Texas market or do you find yourself uh, investing all over? You know, we actually do have a couple of properties here, here in Austin and they've done well. Um, but most of our properties are in San Antonio and Dallas, just because Austin is such a hot market. The last four or five years, it's been really tough to find deals that make sense. We've been fortunate to find a couple of uh, deals here that did make sense. And I, they've done well for the across the board and for all the investors that have come in as part of the deal. Um, but we also have some properties in, in Florida. We have a, both some uh, apartment complexes and some self-storage units there that have been uh, exciting to be a part of. Challenges on one, success on the others, and then some mobile home parks scattered throughout the South as well. We like this Texas and kind of go east from there down along the coastline has, has, has sure. worked well for us. Speaking of down along the coastline, you guys are going to see how, uh, how resilient your economy is as we've got uh, a hurricane heading your way. Right. Right. Uh, went by went by us here in Puerto Rico as a tropical okay. storm. I'm sorry about what it's done since then, but you, you've got quite a bit going on. I mean, a lot of people, they, they just focus on multifamily or they just focus on mini storage or they just focus on, you know, mobile home parks. Uh, I talked to Kevin Bupp and, and they are exclusively mobile home parks. What is it that, about your ability to manage all three that makes that successful for you? I, the way I put it is this. I, I want the operator focused. Right. And I come in as a partner with an operator and have a database investor relations that I can bring to the table and assist them in their efforts of the due diligence of the marketing of the investor relations. But at the end of the day, the operator is the one having the direct relationship with the property and the property management. And so for me, rather than having to really focus on one of those assets, I get the privilege of partnering up with operators who are focused on their specific lane and then educate myself and, you know, clearly analyze these opportunities and then bring them back to my investors and say, Hey, this is vetted. I've, I've been here. I've flown out to the property and I know the team has a successful track record. And then I can bring these opportunities to my investors as well as, as pre-vetted thumbs up, you know, deals I'm excited about. I mean, obviously you think that that diversification is a good thing because it, it puts you in several different markets and several different sub markets of that market. Has that I, I, proved to be true? Exactly. You know, and, and everybody, you know, I think the, when I'm working with a first time investor, it's really easy to talk to them about apartment complexes. Everybody gets it, a, a place for people to live, right? We've all been there. We've all lived in apartments. It makes sense. 
but we can actually generate some even better returns in the mobile home parks in the self-storage units. But for the first time passive investor, that may be more of a stretch, like just not being as familiar with it. Maybe they haven't ever had a storage unit or they think about mobile home parks. You know, if there's a savvy medical doctor is investing in mobile home park, a sexy thing to talk about with their other doctors, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so having, having options, I think has definitely played well for sure. You know, I had to go to school again on mobile home parks because it's not something that's popular in my market in Idaho, right. but it is something that, you know, all through, you know, Nevada, Arizona, down into Texas, across the South, you know, it's, it's very popular and, and it's not a market that's going to go away. You know, Absolutely. it's not a market that, that is going to be declining anytime soon. And so I, I definitely see the value there. I hear you say that you're able to relate to a lot of people, but really, Brad, what is your niche? I mean, what is it that you do exceptionally well? The last 10 years prior to moving to Austin, I was in Utah working with a small, you know, we were a dozen, 12, 15 person startup organization there that was in online marketing, print marketing, and then real estate development as well. So I've lived that small business entrepreneurial life and the 80 hour weeks and all the excitement that comes with that. I really like working with entrepreneurial minded individuals that have done well in that space. Uh, and now they're looking for opportunities to diversify. Um, so I do spend a lot of time in, in small business um, organizations, networking organizations, being able to relate to them on uh, their path. And that said, you know, I do have several investors that I work with that are ER doctors and dermatologists and whatnot. Um, for me, that's fun. Doctors can be a little bit more challenging. <laughs> <laughs> I built buildings for doctors, and so I know exactly where you were going with that. But, but, they're, but they are smart. They're driven. They're dedicated. And if you don't believe that, just ask them. You know, what I know about doctors is that they, but they do get it. They are educated. Right. They do like the resources. You know, they're used to having the backup and, and, you know, a pretty picture is not quite enough to cut it. And you really have to know your stuff to, cause they'll find out, you know. Absolutely. They, they want data. They're used to looking yeah. at, you know, third party peer reviewed uh, information. Right. And I, I would say for successful entrepreneurs as well, it's a different type of data, but they're smart and savvy and they understand balance sheets and cash flow. And so, you know, that's maybe that angle I would take with them. But yeah, yeah. definitely we want to back it up with some, uh, seeing some third party data here. What are you seeing as far as trends in your market, as far as, you know, the stock market? I mean, here we are, you know, it's, it's August. If I would have told you what this year was really going to look like financially in our marketplace, just in our living, you'd have probably got me a custom made straight jacket. But here we are, it's August. Life has been a roller coaster this, this last eight months. What are you seeing in people wanting to deploy capital in deals that are out there? What are you seeing 2020 shaping up to be? And what do you predict the last four months of the year going to look like? It's been really interesting. The last several years, it's been more challenging to sell real estate versus stock market because the stock market has done so well. Then we hit 2020 and we took a big dive, but now we're right back up, setting some record highs, highs at this point. For me, it plays into the story about volatility. What is the connection between record highs right now and American Airlines going to lay off 19,000 people next month? What's the reality to that? Where in real estate, the physical reality is people need a place to live and I can drive over to that complex and touch it and it's there. The cash flow statements make sense. I can see how that all works together. That conversation is actually gone. I feel like investors are more, even more receptive to this predictable physical asset that they can tie their money into. We have significantly dec decreased our deal flow. And so I do have investors that are 
literally not, you know, sending me emails, Brad, what are you going to have? I've got four in my inbox right now. Brad, I've got 50,000. I've got a hundred thousand. I need a place to put it. What do you, what, do you have any deals coming up? The deals are, you know, it's definitely tighter, but I definitely feel like on the investor side, the people real estate has become even more attractive. The dollars are there for sure. And that is definitely true. I've seen Idaho as a state like Texas, where through this challenging time, we've seen our in-migration go way up. And from what I've seen in the news, uh, Texas has seen a, a substantial spike in people deciding that they're done with the bigger cities. Right. They're out of there. They're, they're moving somewhere with a little bit more space and a little bit more um, landlord friendly. Um, call it whatever you want, um, sure. you know, red state versus a blue state. It doesn't really matter. Um, they're moving. And they're yeah, I mean, we, we just got Joe Rogan. We got, yeah. you know, we got Elon Musk to put his factory here. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You guys, and, and you guys do. I mean, you've got some good stuff. You know, the, the thing that you're looking at too is, you know, when you get, when you get things like factories moving to town, I mean, the, the ancillary jobs that go with that, um, they're high numbers because you're, you're, you're moving a whole supply chain. You're moving in all the parts and pieces and pushing out a whole car. And then once you got that, you've got to ship that car. Uh, you know, you've got everything that goes along with that. So, so you've got a really robust environment there. Is that making it easier or harder to find deals? When you talk about Austin, for example, it's harder. It's an expensive market. Austin gets a lot of press. I think San Antonio and Dallas, they're, they're also doing really well, but they don't get as much press. But yeah, you know, we've got Charles Schwab. We've got Toyota factories coming in there. San Antonio is a really, we have a ton of data warehouses there because it is such a climate safe uh, location. You know, Texas overall has just been fantastic. Austin properties, one that we have here, this first one we bought, um, it's right next to the new soccer stadium that they're building and really close to another uh, factory that's going in there. On another property here, Apple mentioned, you know, expanding their footprint, their campus here, two miles from our other property. Fantastic. You know, we, we've really benefited from that. And so it's been interesting to see, like we have a, um, another apartment complex in the Orlando area tied to a lot of hospitality workers, a couple of s small universities there. And that's been one of our most challenging, uh, today it's actually the most challenging um, property in our portfolio because of all the Disneyland, you know, Disney World workers got sent home and like, these students right. got sent home. And so our occupancy dropped down more there than, than our other properties because we don't have factories and data warehouses coming into Orlando. So it's, a, it's been interesting to watch that dynamic play out over the last five months for sure. I was watching a chat thread this morning uh, where, you know, diversification in your portfolio and two different sides of the, of the argument came out. One was diversifying asset class and the other one was diversifying location, which Brad, it's almost like you wrote that whole thing because you have diversified asset class in diversified locations. So <laughs> you you've, you've kind of covered the gamut. Where do you see the real estate market going in the next 18 to 24 months? Look it out a little bit farther. No crystal ball, just like nobody else has any crystal ball. I think there are definitely going to be some interesting opportunities coming. We're all watching the vacancy rates and the rent collection rates. Um, what's that going to do to some of these existing deals? Are there going to be operators that need to get out because they didn't have adequate reserves? I think there will be a good small percentage of fantastic deals, but there's going to be a lot of people that chase after those. So I don't know that it's going to be anything mind-blowing like what we saw in 2008, 2009. 2010. So many people have been talking about the upcoming recession for the last, what, three years? Everybody's been saying, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. So you've had all these people building up cash, building up cash. There's going to be a lot of cash going after what I think is going to be a small amount of amazing deals. I think by and large, you know, because there is a lot of interest in real estate, especially in all classes, from single family to commercial, 
there's never been as much attention on on real estate as now or much interest as there is now. So I think we're just going to see a continued increase in the values. Maybe there's going to be some better cap rates coming forward in the next 18 months, but I don't expect that it's going to be a free for all, a ton of um, blood in the water, feeding frenzy, um, like some people hope it will be. Uh, I'm a little bit more optimistic than that. I think, you know, operators generally are pretty smart, like, like, like the property in Orlando. It's our lowest performing property right now, but we're sitting at like 90, 91% occupancy. Right. We, we can still make our, our, our distributions. We can still we easily cover our expenses. It, so it's, it's not like we're going to be, you know, there's going to be a fire sell off of that one. We're just having to yeah. get a little more creative on, on filling, filling those up. And, you know, the other thing that, that you said is, you know, you, there's not going to be a lot of blood in the water, which you know, a, a lot of times the people that forget about the blood in the water forget that it's the rest of the economy is bleeding as well, you know. Right. And so to get those amazing deals, if, if we got to go through eight, nine and 10 again, I don't think a majority of people are, are interested in that. But, you know, and I think that I think that with our interest rates being as low as they are, I think we've got some safety there. I think, you know, a lot of people are refining if they can, they're, they're, you know, repositioning right. that asset and, and getting out. I think people that, you know, like, that got in three, four years ago looking for a refi, never could have imagined the refi rates would be so good, you know? Um, so I think that there's been a lot of benefit to, that's already come of that. What do you think the stock market's going to do moving forward as far as, you know, into the unknown, the election year and things like that? What do you think that's going to do? You think we're going to see people continue to move out of there like we do out of the left coast? Yeah, I mean, that was going to be my, uh, my answer. That we, who, depends on what happens in November, right? Who, who <laughs> right. wins the White House? You know, America is, is, is more than the presidency. Um, we're more than the media. I, we, we've got a really strong, robust economy. I'll always be bullish on America. I yeah. think the stock market, you know, is going to continue to show that kind of volatility, though, because it, it really is disconnected from reality in so many ways and driven by these you know, day traders with, with high speed connections that are, you know, right, right there in New York city that we, you know, we don't have access to. The more I learn about the, the stock market and how much it's rigged against the little guys, the stronger my feelings are. I want to help. I want to keep my money out of it. I want to help others keep their money out of it because we've got better alternatives where it's not built to screw the little guy. Um, so I, I think that message is getting more widely accepted that the stock market is just not set up for individual investors to do well there. And I think we'll continue to see more people pulling money out of there and looking at alternative asset classes for sure. You know, the other thing too, that I think a lot of people forget is that the stock market does not allow for leverage. Right. If it does in margins accounts, it doesn't allow for a lot of leverage. Um, the only people that are getting the leverage out of it are the mutual funds leveraging massive amounts of cash to make the fees off of. But other than that, you know, the, you've got to pick the right stock at the right time to do the right thing based on wrong information. And, uh, you know, it, it always baffles me that real estate has uh, all of the tax advantages that, that are not afforded to the stock market. It has all of the leverage advantages that are not afforded to the stock market. And yet so many people think that throwing $1,000 a month or, or $1,000 into a, a, a Charles Schwab account is the smarter thing to do than, than going and, and saving that up and, and buying a single family home or buying a rental property. Um, and I think that it's people like you that are taking the time to educate people about this is what your money can really do, taking a doctor and making a doctor smarter, um, you know, if that's possible, because we all know how smart they are already, right? <laughs> They're already uh, we, discussed, we discussed that earlier, but, but you know, the reality is of putting that education to people that, that this is what your money really can do and you don't need to get involved in this. You don't need to get it out of your control 
and and out of the realm of logic where it it's no no longer tangible. A three hundred unit apartment complex and on a slice of that, it's fun, right? I mean, it's, it's it's fun to drive by those things or some of our properties. You know, we don't drive by, but some of the investors have never seen them. But it's fun to know. You'll be able to look on a map and see, hey, I, I own a slice of that. And with 20 or 25% of the actual purchase price, the bank will give you the, the, the remaining 75% and you own it. You control it. You get the tax benefits. For me, it's such a more attractive investment opportunity. As a Brad, have you got any advice? Uh, you, you, you've been in this real estate journey for longer than a lot of them, uh, a lot of my listeners. Do you have any advice for them as far as, you know, how starting out affects the long-term game and, and what you should be doing to get there? For me, what I didn't realize that my goals in real estate were not achievable as a lone wolf. It took me longer than it should have to realize that partnering up and working with people more experienced and smarter than me would be the, the right way to go. Um, so for me, that's the, the, the best advice that I could offer is partner up seek a mentor, something along those lines uh, to, to accelerate that, that learning curve. I feel like if I had one, either started in the commercial space sooner and, and learned this lesson sooner, or just partnered up with a team, created a team earlier than I did, I'd be further along than I am, am today. Real estate, especially big real estate, is not, it's a team sport. Find people you like and trust that bring complementary skills, link arms and go for it. We kind of alluded to that a little bit at the beginning of the show, that, that it is such a team sport. And it is something that as a person that's coming along, you know, I, I had a friend of mine tell me, you know, when you're getting into real estate, you got to have one of two things. You either got to have the money or you got to have the deal. Having one of those two gets you a seat at a table. It's probably not the seat you want, but you're going to learn a lot more from that seat than you would have trying to do it yourself. You know, because you look at it and you, when you were doing fix and flips, you know, you could do one, maybe two at a time before your bandwidth was maxed out. Whereas if you're the seat you're in now, you've got a dozen deals going at any one time and you're dealing with three or four dozen people at any one time. And that's exactly. the power of the team. And, you know, it, it's funny that you, that you mentioned that, Brad, because I think I am exactly the same way. Had I realized what a partnered game it is uh, in, in commercial real estate, I, I think I would have done the same thing. I would have advanced farther faster um, because I would have realized that it's not about the power of you. It's the power of, of the group and what you don't have it's okay to reach out and say, hey, I don't do that part well, you do that part well, let's get together. And you'll see that the successful ones in the real estate space are exactly that. Whether it's Kennedy Wilson, as far as a REIT goes, they've assembled and they pay their team to show up. Or some of the other groups out there like, like your group or, or some of the groups that you're working with where you're not necessarily formally paid, but you've got your band of marauders that are, that are running together and you're all going in the same direction after the same deal. So, Brad, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you stopping by. And how can my listeners get in touch with you to either find out what you're hiding as far as deals in your pocket uh, or, or, or learn more and be, be a part of what you have going? The best place for sure to track me down on my website. My website is sugarhouseinvestments.com. People can enter in their, their email address and, and, and contact me that way. Find my email address, reach out to me. Um, I even have a really nice report on there uh, comparing real estate assets, real estate investing versus the stock market. Um, so for anybody who wants to dive into that, that's a really helpful report they can download for free as well. So don't get confused and go to Sugar Daddy Investments. This is sugarhouseinvestments.com, right? <laughs> there you go. Sugar House. <laughs> so, so Sugar House Investments, 
Uh, and Brad, I really want to thank you for stopping by the Real Estate Rundown. The information was invaluable. Uh, I've got some stuff that I want to talk with you about offline. So I will be uh, going to going there and filling it out and, and getting further information. So thanks again, Brad Shepard, for being on the Real Estate Rundown. And guys, we'll look forward to seeing you the next time. We bring you more people just like Brad who are doing what you want to do the way that you should to advance your future. Thanks, Brad. Thank you, Shannon.